This is AI Podcast, not artificial intelligence, agency intelligence. Our team's going to be 10 times stronger than all the other teams. A platform for agents. When people think of niche marketing, they're thinking so small scale. In real life agencies, sharing their thoughts. All you need to do is get in front of more people. To transform an industry. Better coverages, uh, better pricing, just better everything. Real. The difference between givers, takers, and matchers. Agents. I guess I took a slightly different path coming to the agency. I know a lot of agencies. You can partner your clients with those companies that are looking for that specific target market. This is AI Podcast. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to Agency Intelligence Podcast, where I give you real agents inside real agencies, giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that they try to make you believe out there. This is Cass, and I'm so glad you joined me. I, You know that I love agency intelligence. I love agents influence, but I love agency intelligence because I get to speak to real agents inside real agencies. Today, you're going to meet Mr. Josh Warren. Now, I say that because um, over the next coming months, you're probably going to find out that there's there's people that I've been bringing on specifically because they've been somebody in my life. There's somebody who I may have known really well 5, 10, 15 years ago. And at some point in time, our paths crossed or our paths actually split just because of life and family and moving around and jobs and I've pretty much stayed where I am, but this guy here that I'm bringing you today, yeah, the, the, the clouds. I like to say sometimes that the uh, sky is never the limit because there's always space to go further. Josh Warren operates in that space. Before I do get on, a couple of things I want to say. You guys may notice this is a brand new. If you're looking at the video on YouTube, if you're not, um, because for some reason the video didn't work, um, want to let you know that you're not missing out or anything. But if you are and the video did work, check us out over at YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to our channel. You'll also be able to see my brand new office. This is the very first time I'm actually recording out of this office. Um, just got it completely set up and it's not an office, it's a studio that I've built in the basement of my home. So I'm really excited about it. So I hope it sounds good. I built it not just because it looks cool. I built it because I'm trying to improve my sound. You may notice over the past couple podcasts that maybe the sound's been up and down. I've been trying to get it evened out and balanced. So you might get a little bit of that here. Um, Please do forgive me. I'm doing everything I can to make it better because I do what I do because I do it for you. So last thing before we go on, I want to tell you about AI Mastermind. Keep in mind AI Mastermind. Um, We've grown by about 11 or 12 people just this year so far, and I'm recording this on March 4th. Um, So I think it was 11, might be 12. But the point is, is that um, these agents all say the same thing. I've been listening to you for a while. I've known that I should have got into the mastermind, but I'll be honest with you, Jason, I didn't know if I was ready. When I ask them what they mean by being ready, they say, I didn't know if I was going to be able to live up to some of the other agents in there. Folks, there's brand new agents in there, okay? Probably five, 10 of them that are brand new. I mean, they don't have $99 a month. I was there at one point in time and so was Josh. We've all been there. So I get it. So they're, 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 they're brand new to it, okay? I've got people in there for six years, six um, that have been in there from the very beginning, seven or eight years. 
Our guy with our, our most revenue is 152 million in revenue, 1.2 billion in premium that's in our group. But yet I also know somebody that I got off the phone with late last night that has 40,000 in revenue in their agency. So AI Mastermind, go to insuranceagencyintelligence.com in the top right, click on Mastermind. And once again, you've heard me say this before, I've given you a picture and the names of everybody in there. I want you to see, I don't want you to be like, well, I'm taking a chance. You know, I'm in there. You know, I'm the dumbest guy in the room. You get to see who's in there. Insuranceagencyintelligence.com. Click on Mastermind, click join, come join us. You don't like it, leave but I guarantee you won't. No one ever does. Josh Warren, how are you, buddy? I'm great. Pleasure to be here, Jason. It is. It is. It is. Um, so to give you guys a little backfill before we get into the questions, uh, Josh and I served as chair chairman of the uh, Young Agents of Illinois back from 96 to uh, well, actually, 95 and 96, because actually he was the chairman first and then I was assisting him or co-chair. I can't really matter. It doesn't matter. But there was a lot of times when I was in Chicago and I was trying to make change. And Josh was inside the state of Illinois that I would go up to um, Chicago and I would stay for CIC or just to go visit him. And I was poor as can be, um, like we all are. And I used to stay at Josh's house. Um, and Josh was so poor that he used to collect uh, money from me for staying the night. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, the poor part's probably true, though, Josh, man. We were yeah. as poor as could be back then, man. We oh, man, yeah. We were fighting to, <laughs> fighting to get started. It's, oh, uh, I ain't saying I'm rich today, but I'm rich compared to how poor I was. <laughs> I'll tell you yeah. what I so anyways, man, and so Josh and I just kind of went about our life. Um, probably I would say the climax of our life was in San Diego. Uh, me and my wife and his soon-to-be wife at that time that he's married yep. to now. Um, boy, we had a great time and we really kind of felt as if we walked away from the independent insurance agents of Illinois that we had left it better than we found it. Um, I moved on to the national chair uh, as a national um, chairman for the big eye. And that's what we're going to pick up here with Josh. So Josh, um, welcome to the podcast, man. I'm really happy to have you, dude. This is, we've been talking about this for months. Definitely. Yeah. It's, uh, this is, I told you, it's my first podcast, uh, first time being a guest. So, uh, right. lo loyal listener, but this is my first time being a guest on anyone's podcast. So All right. it's a All right. uh, pleasure to be here today, Jason. Me and the loyal listeners will be easy. I promise you. I promise you. All okay. Right. So here's the deal. You're a loyal listener. You know how it goes. iPhone or Droid user? You know, I am an iPhone user and it's really more out of habit. You know, once they get you in with the phone, with the, with the music and the pictures and the apps and the passwords, like you just, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to switch. So I, you're right. I thought, right. thought about buying it and switching to a droid, but man, it just seems like it would take me six months to get the new phone set up. So I'm a, I'm a iPhone user, buddy. It's fair. It's fair. And, and you can see the genius of Apple for what you just said, right? Yeah. You are. You, they created a product that they're in and no one wants to get out. And if they do, it's hard for them to get out. Why don't, why don't we need insurance that's sticky, Josh? <laughs> that's right. That's right. I, I hate my broker, but man, I can't leave. Yeah, I can't that. leave. So <laughs> yeah, that's right, man. That's right. Um, Hey, do you hate to win or do you love to lose? No, do you love to, do you, do you love, or do you love to win or hate to lose? My goodness. You know, I, I, I know you asked that question. I thought a lot about it. And I got to say, I just, you know, I, I got to say, I hate to lose because when I lose, I, I, I dissect it and think about it and rehash it and, you know, do a, you know, and look back over every decision I made to see if I could have done something differently. 
And for me, the the pleasure that you get out of winning, it just kind of comes and goes. Like that's kind of what you know what we were shooting right. for the whole right. way, and that's what we kind of expect. And then. But when I lose, man, I, I just I take it hard and I take it personal. So I'd have to say I hate to lose. And Josh, you know, it's so funny when I ask that question because so many people on here like you, I know them or I have a personal relationship with them. And nine times out of ten, I agree with them. And you be in the same way. Like when you talk about like, do I love to win or hate to lose? Dude, that's totally you uh, hating to lose. I mean, because you're not the kind of person also that brags when you win, right? And so yeah, no, I'm so. not saying everybody does that thinks that way, but you're not that kind of person but golly, you will let people know if you got beat. And what's crazy is, is if you get intellectually beat, Josh, that's how you are. It's, I studied, I know my shit. I shouldn't have lost. Not only do I just hate to lose, but I shouldn't have lost because I'm right. better than the other person or I was more prepared. You have that kind of mentality. Yeah. That, oh, oh, over, I've never been accused of being underprepared for something. That's for sure. So That's right. Right, very much like my business partner Travis. God, it drives me crazy how how right on he is, especially with details. Skill or luck, one of the two things got you where you are today. If we chose out of those two, which would you say has led you to the ivory tower? Oh uh, well, um, that's a tough one for me. I feel like I'm very blessed, and I've been, uh, I have been. Um, there's things that have come in my path lately and in, in, in life that it's that have um I, I hate to call it luck i call it blessings you know i mm -hmm. just the other day i thought I, I need to take a i need to take a shift and start focusing on a different kind of clientele you know what happens uh that specific kind of clientele went to our website and put in a request to talk to somebody in my practice like wow how does that happen that doesn't happen that's not luck you know that's not that's not skill that's just divine intervention so i i feel very you know, I, I have a hard time looking at it as either as either skill or luck. I feel like more like I'm I'm I'm, I'm here today because of many blessings that have lined up and uh, and afforded me opportunities that thankfully I've been able to take advantage of. Josh, wouldn't you agree that um, I've read a lot of books, I've lived a lot of life, not a lot, but but, you know, halfway. Well, shit, I'm only 42. Got about 120. Got about 120 yeah. with modern medicine. My goal is yeah. is to just to just mess up the life expectancy charts of every uh, life insurance company because most life insurance <laughs> runs out right. at 120. I'm going to be the guy goal. that breaks that shit. You know, that's you know? a modest goal. Yeah. I mean, what are they going to do? Like, there, there's there's been life insurance companies out there. Just thinking here, Josh. That I've kind of had to sit there and be like, like they've insured somebody and they're like at 111 or 112 and they're going. Shit, what yeah. are we going to do? I mean, what are we going to do when this person dies at 121? I mean, we got to pay out, right? I mean, yeah, the tables, I mean, di the tables didn't plan for that. <laughs> yeah. But time thing. Yep. I've read books out there that when they take, when they take um, Malcolm Gladwell, loyal listeners, you've heard me say this before, maybe it's been a while, but Malcolm Gladwell took over 100 people over the last century and he dove into every one of them, literally put them like in a matrix, Josh, mm -hmm. basically, you know, all over here and our X, Y chart. And here's here's what's successful and here's who has. And he overlaid them and overlapped them. And the algorithm told him something overwhelmingly powerful and that that was time and time of where you were at the time you were born mm -hmm. and the time of where you lived in your life is the number one 
greatest impact on your success. Yeah, this is why uh, it, why Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and all these tech titans were all so close in age, right? Because they, they they grew up at exactly the right time with exactly the right resources. Mainframe where computers were coming into main universities between 68 and 74. Them dudes were going to college. From what I've heard from some of this study, and I've, I've reached outside this and researched it, they said that they believe that Bill Gates had over 10,000 hours on a computer yep. before any other student had actually even started it up. Like he was on it for like 20 hours a day and was just eating it up. Yep. And you can only imagine that when he's reached master status and no one else in the world has probably been at a thousand hours, right? right? right. I mean, being born at the right place at the right time, you know, baseball players, majority of them are born in September, October and November because the cutoff time in America is September 1st. Your kid playing in September or October, born in September, October, playing to verse my son who's born in June, you know as well as I, you got kids, 10 months on a four or five or six year old is like night and day, right? Definitely. So, So you look at that. Uh, uh, military parents, a lot of successful people were born in military because it wasn't so much the time they lived in, but it was the time and places that they lived in at certain point in time. Sorry, I got off onto that rant, but it's so important what you say, because you led to that with, you know, even certain times you've had this or that, and you don't want to call it skill, but you don't want to call it luck. Yeah. And I think that's why, because we just call it, um, um, uh, I don't know the name of it, but I'm going to tell you, Josh, I think this is what it is. I think it's cashing in um, on the good that you've done, um, even though you're not trying to go to the bank. You know, it's uh, like that. There's things that we do in our life that we don't realize are good. And there's things that we do in our life purposely that are good. Right. Yep. I think it's a collection of those. That when shit just needs to go right for you, man, if you got that opportunity and you've prepared and my boy Willie Williams always says, and you throw in plus time management, that's where you're sometimes going to get that, that, that luck. So yeah, you got to be willing. Good stuff. Good stuff. It's right there in front of you. If you're willing to listen and, and you know, pay attention and yeah, many times the opportunities you need are right there on your desk and right there, you know, right there for the taking. So. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel, but I got to actually say here, Josh, do you think the guy that invented the wheel, Okay. <laughs> so like he's over here working in his garage, he's trying, he's tired of his, his wife and his kids trying to carry this big jug of water on their head all the time. And they're like, and they're like, you know what, I'm going to create this wheel. All right. And then he does it and, and she does it, whoever it could be. This world we live in today. Okay, so 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 they pull this wheel out there, and all of a sudden, like their family's not carrying this water on their head anymore. Do you think a guy who lived next door thought to himself, "I think I'm going to invent one of those, and I'm not going to use that round thing"? <laughs> I'm telling you what, I don't know if that'll work. Well, well, why do we always try to reinvent the wheel in certain things? You know what, Jason? It's funny you say that because. Uh, You've you've continued to do something at a massive scale that I think I, I I did early in my career that I've gotten away from, and that is reinvesting back into the the next generation and the current generation of insurance professionals. Right. And I I've been the you know for the last probably ten years I've been very focused on you know on my my 
my job and my the, my te- you know, the, the team around me and the company I work for and less less focused on getting into situations where I can share things I've learned and and things that you know places I've been and where I'm going and so that you know it can help the next just m- maybe make it make it a little bit easier for the for the people coming up after me and I think I I would have for the last few for for the longest time I was the guy that walked over and said hey can I help you build that wheel and the, the last yeah. uh and so admittedly the last few years I've been I've, I pulled the shades in my house and not really paid attention to what's <laughs> what's going on outside around me so we all right but right? you do a great job of you know bringing people together having them share having them talk about their path and you know and and like you said, you're you're the event you host to try to you know, just make it a you know pay it forward and make it a little bit easier for for the next group so I, I commend you for that Thank you. And I'll, I don't want to beat it up because the loyal listeners all say, I just want other people to realize what I had never in my life when I was 12, 13, 15 years old, that I know that Jason at 42 would have what he has now. I don't have the world, but I have the world considering me, my family, my life, my job, my health, uh, been places I never met or been. And I met people like you that I never would have met before. Take us back to college. Take us back to high school. As far as you want to go back. First question, though, where were you born? Uh, not far from you, uh, Bethalto, Illinois. I grew up. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I remember that you told me that. Yep. God damn it! I love it when I don't have a memory sometimes because when you hear it the second time, you get just as excited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in Bethalto and uh, went to uh, Milliken University in Decatur. Uh, played Milliken. Uh, yeah, played on the football and tennis teams there if you can imagine that i played you you know me so you can't maybe can't picture me on a tennis court but uh ten, the tennis helped me get uh, my feet moving helped me get back on the football field which i then sort of uh you know parlayed into a, a career a start started my career after i graduated from Milliken, i became the men and women's tennis coach and became really close friends with the father of one of my players who uh who owned an insurance agency and once I couldn't, uh, once the hardship deferment of my student loans ran out and I had to get a job, I called him up and said, you know, hey, you seem to have life figured out. Would, would you ever look to hire, you know, somebody who doesn't know what they're doing? And he was all for it. And I spent, uh, I, I spent a better part of four, four and a half years working for him and his agency, which, um, you know, there was, time, there was a time there to move on. And, and once I did, I ended up um, working for a great agency in Chicago called back, back at the time called Mesero Financial, which is now part of Alliant. Really, it was, uh, it was too big for me. You know, I went from this like 10 person agency to this like 300 person agency. And it just, I just, you know, went from a small town to Chicago. And it just was, it was, it was, you know, for me, it was, you know, frankly, it was just too much. And too much. Yeah. You know, I just, I, I, you know, I couldn't understand it. You know, it, it was, it was a lot to, it was a lot for me to get my head around back then. And I got a call f- from a recruiter that this guy from California was in town that was had a startup agency that was focused on the private equity sector. And I had absolutely no idea what she was talking about, but she, you know, private equity, what's that? You know, that I, I, you know, it was completely new to me, but it was a smaller sort of upstart agency. And this, and this guy was in town. I thought, you know, let's have free breakfast. Let's go talk. And from there I went to work for uh, a, a really amazing company called Equity Risk Partners. It was the only insurance broker that was ever created to exclusively focus on private equity firms and their portfolio companies. And they had just picked up some new accounts and were expanding into Chicago. And 
And it was, uh, I, I, I jumped at it. I thought this sounds really, you know, from that, up until that point, my sort of insurance experience was one, you know, just sort of Chicago suburbs. And then it was the city of Chicago. And then this was like, you know, it counts anywhere, anytime with a completely different path to, to winning business and building relationships. And I thought it sounded exciting. It sounded interesting. And Jason, you know, from there, that has been, um, the passion, you know, my, my career passion is focusing on that particular clientele in that sector and those, those, uh, uh, private equity transactions. And, you know, I went through the process of, uh, I worked there for better part of 15 years and, uh, the company, uh, sold and, uh, I, I spent some time with the, with the business post sale. Then I had the opportunity to jump to, um, uh, a really, you know, very exciting company called ABD. ABD is a, uh, another uh, Bay Area broker. As I like to say, I'm the, the third Chicago employee of a San Francisco broker for the second time. <laughs> Interesting. And, you know, and ABD was founded in 2012, employee owned. Um, and, and interestingly enough, is the exact same size as pretty much the same size as Mesero Financial was 15, you know, when I, when I worked there, you know, 15 plus, almost 20 years ago. And now it's perfect for me. You know, but back then, an agency that size was just overwhelming. Today, it's like I thrive. I love working in a, in a firm of that size with those kind of resources and those you know, those um, different uh, uh, things that I can tap into when my clients need them. So, you know, now uh, I, I joined ABD in June of 2018, uh, founded the Mergers and Acquisitions Advisory Practice within ABD, which is really just bringing together all the great resources and people that we had in place already. And, 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 and bringing that together in a way that's, that, that meets the needs of, of private equity firms and their portfolio companies. So it's exciting to be on the ground floor of, of forming a practice within a, you know, exciting, fast moving, growing, uh, organization. So that's where I am. That's where I'm at today. So, so the loyal listeners probably want to know the same thing I do. What in the hell is private equity and Guys, he calls me with this stuff all the time and he's he 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 wants to do podcasts about this stuff and I'm like, "Josh, I don't even know what the hell you do, you know." And then and then he'll explain it to you loyal listeners and then I'm like, "All right, I still don't know, but I'm pretty sure he's kicking ass at it." So, Josh, what do you do? What it what it what are you selling? How are you involved in transferring risk in this beautiful industry? That's a great question, Jason. It's um and it's something that you know, recently I, I had a sort of, uh, I call it an epiphany of how proud I am of our industry and how we've adapted and the types of risks that we're, uh, that our underwriters especially are able to take. Um, it's um, when I look at how it was when I started at Equity Risk Partners and how it is today, it's a completely different world. And I'm, I'm really proud of how our industry has stepped up and, and, uh, and adapted. So for those that, uh, that don't know, private equity firms, um, raise uh, uh, funds of capital. So they get capital commitments from limited partners, which are endowments, wealthy families, um, sovereign wealth funds, things of that sort. And they use that capital to acquire companies. Uh, private equity firms, they make all sorts of investments, you know, minority investments, majority investments, but, but by and large, they focus on, uh, you know, taking control of businesses with, um, with a significant amount of debt on the balance sheet. So they call them leveraged buyouts because there's a significant amount of leverage on the balance sheet. Okay. So they acquire companies 
they grow them and they sell them. You know, it's a pretty, you know, at, at that sort of high level, it's a, it's a simple exercise in, in what they do. There's a lot of obviously complication, complicated things that go into that process to get from the, the, you know, the, the acquisition to the liquidity event stage, but at, at, in its simplest form, that's what they do. They acquire businesses, they grow them, they sell them. Okay. All right. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. CAS certified. Before they acquire the business, they bring in a team of outside advisors to help them understand what they're what they're buying, and they bring in law firms, accounting firms, uh, you know, environmental specialists, you know, um, network security specialists. You know, they bring in all these third parties, and our M and A advisory practice is the the specialist that they bring in from an insurance, employee benefits, retirement, and human capital perspective. So we help them understand. The, the insurance arrangements and benefits arrangements that are in place and whether or not that meets their growth and, equi- and, and exit strategies. So if, you know, if you're looking at a company that's today based in one, one Midwestern town and we know that the, the, and that's where their clientele is and that's where, uh, that's where that company has historically thrived, but, but the plan is to take it global and to acquire companies in foreign countries and somehow bring it all together in this unified network then maybe the way they're purchasing insurance today isn't going to work for them once they execute the strategy that they have in mind. Right. Gotcha. So being gotcha. able to adapt where the company's going with you know, compare it to where it's at and offer solutions that sort of paint a picture of what it's going to take from what kind of changes need to be made from an insurance standpoint and benefit standpoint, human capital standpoint over the next three to five years in order to help them achieve their goals. And I think one of the most, you know, one of the ways that insurance has adapted to the needs of these very sophisticated buyers is through this insurance product that's uh, called reps and warranty insurance. Um, I had the opportunity at Equity Risk Partners to found um, and build the only international broker network that was exclusively focused on the needs of private equity transactions. And Jason, you mentioned you mentioned how you, you know, how it's t- insurance has taken you places you never thought you'd go. Well, that you know, forming that network took me to all corners of the world, and I, I spent, uh, you know, uh, I spent a week in Australia. I, I remember I landed on Monday morning, and I was home for dinner on Friday, and I went went around meeting with private equity firms in Sydney and Melbourne with a local broker um, partner of mine, wow. and they kept talking about this product. They call it WNI, Warranty and Indemnity Insurance. And I realized, and I, and, and back then I, I you know, like, like warranty, I, I realized they were talking about what, what Americans call reps and warranties insurance, but, it, but in America, nobody, nobody purchased right. it. It was expensive. It was expensive. It was a lack trust with, with their, with legal counsel. It wasn't really tested from a claim standpoint. You know, so my son was one years old, one year old. So this would have been 20, you know, 20, 2012. And 
um, or 2011. And so they were talking about, I realized that they purchased W&I on like 75% of all private equity transactions in, 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 in Australia. And I thought, wow, like they might purchase it on 5% of transactions in the US. And sure enough, a few years later, call it 2014, 2015, all of a sudden, rep and warranty insurance in the United States just took off. And now we're at that 65, 70% level. And I think I think this is the thing I was- When, when did it take off? What year did you say that took off? Like 2014, 2015. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, and this is what I was bugging you about. Like, hey, you, you your listeners would love to hear about this because it's- it's a, it's an amazing way to to I think apply insurance to the strategic needs of of clients, right? When you think about yeah, we're insuring the you know, most of the time we're out there we're insuring against the unknown, we're insuring against catastrophes, we're we're helping protect businesses for things that might happen, you know. And we have to explain to our clients that yeah, you might have a flood or you might have an earthquake or you might have this and you might have a cyber breach and. You know, we, and we talk about these things that might happen. And, and this product is something that, you know, here's a client in a, in, a, in, a, in a specific situation that needs a very complex risk addressed. And if you can do this, I can achieve my, help you know, achieve my goals. I can help achieve something I want to get done. And that's where I find it sort of exciting and interesting that, this, that, our, that our industry is going this way. And I hope that it leads to other, other similar type products and solutions. But not to, I know I've been t- dominating the microphone here, Jason. Sorry about that, but no, 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 no. I'm liking this, and this makes more sense. Let me ask you this: um, Would we consider a um, a uh, like a policy that would be on a major sports athlete, like a repper warranty kind of? Because like we're specifically know we know what they what they can possibly do and how they how valuable they are to our team. But yet, if they go down, is that is that sad? Well, I mean. Why don't I tell you more about rep and warranty insurance? Then you can tell me if you can. Then okay. you can tell me if it does. Um, well, yeah, because I think I'm getting it because you're trying to help these people execute something very complex, yeah. and you're having an insurance company look at it and say, "How do we insure it?" But are you insuring it based on it not being what they're projecting it to be, or actually on the risk of someone getting hurt or them having a loss? Does that? Make yeah. Sense? So um, the way that that acquisitions have basically always happened is some amount of the purchase price is held back in escrow in the event that um, some things that were learned during diligence, during the diligence process end up not being true. So I'm going to acquire your business for $100 million. I'm going to give you $90 million today and I'm going to put $10 million in this account so that you know, if I and I'll, I'll give it back to you over time as I get, you know, through an audit cycle and I get to know the business and I, you know, I own you and I get to read your emails and I get to see all the things that, you know, transpire. No. OK, that's cool. I don't know about this. This is. Yeah. So the so the the that escrow model has been, you know, just the way deals have historically been done. And what rep and warranty insurance does is it replaces that escrow. So it takes. So now a buyer can look at a seller and say, I'm going to give you 100% of your money at close or 99.5% of your money at close, but I still get the protection that I would have been afforded had I had a traditional escrow, but it's going to be through an insurance product. So, so wow. with that, all the risk associated with the sort of unknown of 
I don't say all the yeah. risks. I don't want to say all the I risks associated with it. All policies have exclusions, but but the risk associated with um, some of the things that were learned uh, or not learned during that due diligence process, or you know perhaps were withheld by the by the seller. You know, the buyer of that business now gets to transfer that risk to an insurance product, and so and it gets the ten million, right? So 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 like if it's a hundred million, rather than giving him the ninety and then holding the ten, and that ten may not be doing yeah. much for us, he can get. You know, ninety nine of that, as you said, take a million of that, purchase the prop, pop, the the product or warranty. Yeah, so seller uh, seller gets more money at close, uh, gets to walk away a little cleaner than they would have had they had to, um, uh, uh, you know, get the whole, put up an escrow, um, and buyer gets you know broader broader coverage and a simpler yeah. Yeah. than they would have had had they had they. Uh, entered into a traditional escrow arrangement. They get longer terms. They get you know broader. It's kind of like bonding. Yeah, kind uh, of. Um, it's kind of like, uh, but it's also like PMI on your homeowner's insurance. Really? Not really, but I mean, not on your homeowner's insurance, but like, you know, you got to have the 20% equity in your mortgage when you buy right. it and you got to buy the PMI. I mean, it's not the same, but it kind of is, right? It's kind of putting up that I don't have 20%, but an insurance product will cover that for me in case I do, uh, well, not cover it for me, cover it for the bank, yeah. um, you know, in case that, you know, case that goes over. So, wow. Okay. But it's just, I, I can see how there's a couple different other products that kind of bring and symbolize. This. Yeah. It's, it's probably, uh, you know, as you, as you, as a historian there of insurance, you probably, you can see all, how, all, how this could logically come, it could logically come to this conclusion, right? You can see how it didn't just mm -hmm. get invented overnight. But it's it's a powerful tool that that is used uh, is utilized on most middle market private equity transactions in the U.S. Um, it is um, and and it helps it helps these uh, helps these uh, investors achieve uh, better results for themselves for the for the buyer for the seller for the for their investors. Um, so no, it, it's a it's a it's been an exciting uh, development in you know because. You know, back before like I've been doing this since 20, 2005, basically serving private equity firms, and you know, for the first eleven years or so, or ten years of of that process of my career in, in this space, this didn't even exist, and, and now it's now it's basically on every deal. So, so what was the what was the holdback versus now? We all know that private equity has become ginormous in the last five, ten years. Okay, so right. this only kind of fits into it, right? Um, but like before they had these reps and warranties in this process, I mean, yes, it got the buyer. And as we talked about all that stuff, but I mean, is it, I want to say, it's not so much that the insurance company inserted themselves and they uh, were afforded some protection, but as you're saying, it just makes for a better business process. It does. And it makes it to where they're more successful today than they were. I think so. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah. And, and you know, I think it's, uh, you know, one of the things that it's done that I think is that is great, and and, and you know, this this is just like the insurance industry, the brokerage side of the house in general. I think we're seeing um, a lot of richly talented people with diverse backgrounds choosing insurance as a career. You know, and it is you know not, you know when you look at like the 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 person on our team that the places most of our rep and warranty insurance. And he was a um, he was an M and A attorney in New York for over a decade. He was a rep and warranty underwriter for three years. Uh, oh, his wow. name's Matt Soma. And when Matt you know Matt gets involved, and in, in, you know I, I'm I'm talking about it, about this product and the and how it works, you know at a more um, 
I don't know, uh, you know, very high level where, you know, a guy like Matt with his rich background, when he steps into a process, he, um, you know, having that sort of perspective of as a lawyer and an underwriter, you know, now a broker, adds significant significant value to the process. And, and when I would think, you know, I think when I when I started in this business, I couldn't have I couldn't imagine somebody, you know, of his caliber, you know, choosing insurance brokerage as a as a career path. But it's very common now, and you see that with, you know, sometimes I see the people that I compete against, and I think, geez, wow, that guy was, you know, or that that man or woman, look at the look what they've done before they became an insurance broker, right? And it's really making our industry. Um, you know, more of a better, oh yeah, better in a, in a tremendous, in a great, in a, in a major way. And, and the fact that, you know, we worry about the next generation and where's that next generation coming from. And I, I, I see a, a, a group of people that have options, you know, in their career and, you know, they're choosing to be an insurance broker and it's creating, uh, it's creating a, a, a I think a better, um, a better environment, you know, for our It's yeah, more sexy. Let's just say it. We like things that are sexy. People like Apple computers because right. they're beautiful, right? We like things that are sexy. You can take you can take a program, you can take a management system, and if it looks like Microsoft Office from 1994, no one uses it. Take the same program and pretty it up and people use it. You know what I mean? It's just the way that it is. And I, I like that. I love what you're saying there. It's bringing people in. Um, David Carruthers, something you need to look up, Josh, uh, David Carruthers has created the protege and the protege is he sells large commercial accounts. We're talking 20, 50, hundred thousand in revenue, right. not premium revenue. And he's been able to successfully teach this to other people, um, uh, across, uh, the, the country. And so I had about 70 people that couldn't afford the program. So he said, Hey, I'm going to put together this reality show, throw all this stuff together. You guys record yourself coming up with this. So they submitted like 70 videos. He went through all the videos, broke it down to 11 people. And then for uh, the last seven weeks, those 11 people um, have been competing in different, different things they have to do. And then there's coaches like me that help coach them. All this is being recorded. He's going to nail it down to the final three, but he thinks he's going to go four. And then in San Antonio, Texas, this uh, this September 13th, 14th and 15th at BrainShare, um, he will be having the finals and there's going to be a recording and everything. And his goal is, and if you know David, he'll do it. He's going to sell it to a, uh, you know, a discovery or not a discovery, but some some kind of channel out there. And this is my point is what you just said. Real estate has always been known to be lucrative, but it was really never known to be like a sexy um, profession until you start having these home shows on HGTV and they're showing a $500,000 home that this person sells and they sell three of them a week and they're figuring out it's 7% commission and they're going to get about two to 3% of it. And all of a sudden, people start looking around and going, you know what? Real estate's a sexy industry. And I believe the same thing can be brought forward with what David's doing with the protege to where people can look at that and go, I didn't know you could sell a $100,000 revenue account. You know what I mean? And that makes that makes this sexy. And that's good for our industry. You know, that's really good for industry. Well, yeah, I I think that there's. you know, there's always been this 
push towards you got to have a specialty you got to have a spe- you got to specialize in something you got to when somebody asks you what you do you need mm-hmm. to understand at least one industry sector inside and out you know if you want to differentiate yourself in the market and i think i think when people can look at you know their their life experience and say you know I, i've done this other job I, you know i have all this knowledge where else can i apply it you know that to be able to look at insurance as a place where insurance brokerage especially as a place where i can i can apply that knowledge and i can i can be successful mm-hmm. there too taking all the all that i've learned and all that i've gathered through um you know through the the things i've done leading up to now you know i i think that's great i, I think that's exciting and i um it, it creates you know much much better conversations better client outcomes you know that, that i that i just could have expected you know, when i got when i got into this God, you got so much, so much uh, in my brain um, that you bring up. And I'm just thinking new things, right? Like I've heard it said before that politics and politicians are terrible because the good people. Okay. You know, you, you know, you've got, you, right. 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 You've got, you've got like a 23 or 24 year old guy or gal who makes some silly mistake in their life. And they go 35 and they know they're going to try to run for political office and all her baggage is going to get drug out. All his baggage is going to get drug out and now they have a family. Even though they're a really good person and they may have made some mistakes, because I'll tell you what, Josh, you're a good person and I'm a good person, but we all make mistakes. That's why they don't run. Think about what you're saying with insurance. In a way... I'm not saying that there's not good people in this industry, but if you don't make it sexy, they're going to go somewhere else. And if you don't let it make it lucrative, they're going to go somewhere else. I think by some of the stuff we're talking about with the protege and some of the things you're talking about, about these people being able to have an exciting life coming from other professions that we would think are sometimes more lucrative or better than ours. And they're coming here with knowledge. It, because of that, we'll start to get better people. We'll start to get better people in the system, which I still to this day, Josh, I'll get your feedback on this. Every freaking um, stat out there shows that um, insurance people, as far as trustworthy and stuff, are in the bottom two next to car salespeople. I don't know who they're called. (laughs) That's right. I, I agree. Because all the insurance people I know are hard workers. They're trustworthy. They bend over backwards for their damn clients. They'll take their phone call while they're on vacation with their kids at Disneyland. You know, I mean, it's like, who are they? Who are who are these bad, lying people? You know, right. what, do you, what do you think about this? Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Yeah, I think that there is a um, it's had this sort of commodity label attached to it and and i, I just like you said I, I don't see it you know like i i've i've there's bad apples in every bunch but man i i i it's it's been a long time since i've come across somebody that's a uh insurance broker um that i thought oh my goodness i can't believe that person's in this industry like oh my yeah that, that like they're all um great members of their communities they're hard they're hard, they work mm-hmm. hard and the insurance companies are uh, I think uh, stepping up in ways that that provide real uh, protection and real value, uh, both in their products and their services, and and you know I've never been prouder to to be in this in this business. And I look at where it's going from a technology standpoint and all the the money that's flowing into ins- insurance technology, and 
I, I think, you know, as far, you know, as, as far as, the, as far as it's come in our careers, I, I can't imagine where it's going to be by the time I retire because it's, um, uh, we talk about, you know, you, you use the word sexy. I, I think it's, it's, it's only getting more interesting. It's only getting more, you know, um, um, uh, Sex. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 that's that, that the word I would have used, but you. <laughs> but but now that you mentioned it, now that you mentioned it, yeah. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. My wife's pretty sexy, and I compare insurance to my wife. It's pretty damn close. I'm gonna call it sexy. I do. I just absolutely love this industry. I love everything that it's given me, and I love the fact that it gives us opportunity. And we also have an unknown. You know, if you go work in a factory, you know what you're gonna be doing in 30 years. We don't know where, well, I'll tell you where I'm going to be in 30 years, but I, I'm telling you, I'm not going to be working. Um, but what I'm saying is, is that I think that this is great. And, and it's so awesome to see people like yourself who are so successful doing shit that I didn't even realize was in this industry, you know, but yet it's such an important part. And I get it now. I know exactly what this is. I mean, I've listened to you 10 times. Lawyer listeners tell you, I'm not really very, very smart. I'm not really very smart. I'm just trying. Um, so Josh, I really love it. Josh, one question I want to ask you about reps and warranties. That's what you always say. Um, if I'm looking at a piece of property, I'm looking at, hey, what protection class is it in? Major rating risk factor. Does it, uh, what's the value of it? And does it have the proper security features of it? You know, all that kind of stuff. When you're looking at a rep and warranty and you're going in and you're assessing risk of some big ass deal that's being done, what's one thing that's a concern like those other uh, From a rep and warranty underwriter's perspective or? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yes. Uh, well, I think the, the thing that they're, you know, the underwriting process for the policy uh, is to review the due diligence that was performed. So, you know, every industry, every industry has that sort of one thing that people are concerned about. And, you know, certain technology companies, like from an insurance standpoint, they might be concerned about their E&O and their cyber risk. And then from a, you know, from a, if, if they're acquiring a, a, a dental practice and uh, rolling it up, then uh, they might be concerned about the medical malpractice exposure, right? But the, 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 the underwriter is most concerned about the quality of the due diligence that was performed by, you know, all the, uh, all the third parties that the, that the buyer brought in. And, and most of the time, these transactions, I mean, it's, it's very, flu it's a very fluid market like it is in most markets these days, but they're looking for, uh, you know, transactions that are you know, north of $20 million in, in, um, enterprise value. So that, that's, you know, the, the floor kind of, you know, goes up and down as, as the, as the, as capacity, underwriter capacity goes up and down in terms of their, their time, you know, how much time they have in the day. But, you know, so you're looking at. It sounds like bonding, dude. Yeah. It really does, right? Like you're, the bond people are looking at the third parties that they've hired to build this hospital. Yeah. You know, what are their financials? How likely are they to be successful? Are they reputable? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, kind of there are some parallels. Thing. I mean, for sure. And yeah, I mean, obviously I'm not even close cause I'm not in that, but I mean, just, just being outside of it and listening to you talk. So it makes total sense, dude. And I can see how, yeah, once again, give me all my money. Don't put it in the escrow. I'll buy the product. And then that'll be the, that'll be the thing that we have to worry about saving. Um, uh, so anyways, very, very interesting. Uh, anything you want to say, Josh? 
no, you know, th this, uh, I, I think I, my, my optimism and my, my um, confidence for in the insurance space has never been higher, like I said. And I think, you know, with, uh, I, 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 I enjoy your, I, I am a loyal listener. I enjoy your podcast. And I, I've met people like uh, Jennifer Hassan, who you did a podcast with about cold calling. I ended up, I ended up working yeah. with her after, after your podcast. She's and I thought, you know, and uh, so no, it's, I, I love what you're doing here and I, I appreciate, I hope you keep it up and, and, uh, and keep, uh, keep bringing a diverse, diverse skill set, diverse people to the table to, you know, cause with that, um, you know, we're all going to learn and grow and be better. And I, I appreciate, I appreciate this, Jason. Thank you for, thank you for having me on. No problem. No problem. Last two questions. Loyal listeners want to know. I mean, uh, so you're a reader, you're a leader and you're, which means you're a reader and I know you're a reader. So it's a leader. What are you reading? <laughs> uh, I'm reading, uh, two books, uh, well, three books, I think, but, uh, I'm reading uh, a book called the trillion dollar coach. Um, so the okay. guy that, um, uh, he, he coached many of the tech titans in Silicon Valley and, and really was integral to their, their, um, their success building Google and Apple and other companies and just the kinds of advice this guy gave to some household names and, and the way he did it with such humility was it's, it's really, it's a fascinating book. Uh, I'm about to start a book called moments, which is about the power of moments. How, when you, when you think mm -hmm. about, um, you know, anytime you've bought something or experienced something, how like there's this moment that like you remember, you know, how to create those moments for your clients where they're like, mm -hmm. that you give them something memorable to, to look back on. And so that's, uh, yeah, those are the, the two things that I'm kind of bouncing back and forth between. You know, you know I think the, the guy who wrote the, what was it? The trillion dollar yeah. coach. God, does that guy have an ego? I mean, really <laughs> think about it. This, this guy comes up with the name of a book, Josh, that you can't beat. Cause, cause like, there's not going to be any trillion. <laughs> Is it zillion? Because there's not going to be any zillionaire coaches for a long no. time. So he's like, dude, I'm not going billionaire coach, man. I'm going Trillion. trillionaire coach and I'm legit. Right. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. He's the, the ego of these guys. It's, it matches almost mine. Okay. Now I know you're boo and I know you probably watch Hulu. Maybe you get your kicks on Netflix or you spend your time on Amazon prime. Where and what are you watching late at night? Kids are in bed. You and the old lady just want to, what are you watching? <laughs> Well, late at night, I'm usually at my desk getting some work done. Um, or I, uh, I, I watch. It's uh, a good question. I, um, you know, when I was when I was younger, I wanted to be in the FBI. You know, so I've I've, I've kind of enjoyed that movie uh, or that show, Clarice. That's been a good show and um, uh, showing. Josh, you look like you should be in the FBI. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look like loyal listeners. You need to go see a picture of Josh Ward. Well, it's probably on this post that you got. This dude looks like he could be. An yeah, FBI. I would have never been good undercover. They'd have been like, "You're a cop." What <laughs> <laughs> now? Oh man, that's funny. I didn't realize that. That's funny, and I forgot that you from Bartel are Belfalto. Golly, Jason. But yeah, that's because I live in Edwardsville now. So that's five, 10 miles up the road, I think. So, I mean, it's, it's not far at all. Um, Josh, thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Yeah.
It was fun, man. It was really, really fun. Little listeners, I hope that I was successful, successful again at trying to bring you some stuff, some good ju- meaty, juicy, succulent red meat uh, right to your brain because it is protein that grows your brain. And it is this type of stuff that is growing you. You don't realize it. People say it all the time. Jason, how did you learn this? How did you learn that? I said, I've done 530 some of these. A lot of you guys may have listened to all of them. I have. Okay. So that's where I get the knowledge. How, whoever knew about some boring ass reps and warranties? Well, Josh, Josh Warren made it actually pretty interesting. Now makes me be able to look at private equity and different deals I see. And I want to ask him, like, did you maybe have this type of product? Because if you didn't, by the way, I know somebody that can help you out. With it. <laughs> there, there. Always, always thinking about you. I appreciate it. Yeah, that's what we do. That's what we do. So loyal listeners, be sure to find those Joshes out there. Find those people. Like you never eat uh, never eat lunch alone, like the book says, right? But who are you eating lunch with? You know, we try to live in these where we want to have these circles of influence. People who are going to be able to help us by us helping them and their network, right? Now, listening to people like Josh allows you to elevate that conversation. How many times have you heard of some large merger coming on and you think to yourself, man, that's so big and out of my ballpark and has nothing to do with the insurance I have. Little bitty things like this are going to allow you to be able to say, hey, man, this guy's pretty smart. He may not know about reps and warranties, but golly, if he knows that, what does he know about auto and home? What does he know about business insurance? So yes, reps and warranties may not be what you sell, but there's definitely a lot of things that you can take away from this podcast. That's why I brought him on. Besides the fact he's the cream of the crop. Yes, he was born in Illinois. Don't hold that against him, but he's still a good guy. All right? Loyal listeners, I do what I do because I do it for you. Tell me your thoughts, tell me your ideas, and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say because this has been Agency Intelligence where I gave you a real agent inside a real agency giving you the real agency intelligence and not the artificial that they try to make you believe out there. This is Cass. He was Warren. We're out. Hey agents, listen to this, listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it, think of it, really. We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good, terrible at firing actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 
carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.